This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello and welcome to Bookmark This, a Straits Times podcast in which we talk about books in the headlines and recommend to you new reads. I'm To Wen Lee and I'm here today with my co-host, Olivia Ho. Hello. Hi, Olivia. Today we're going to be talking about three novels about love that in the various ways overturn some of the preconceptions people have about the romance genre. Lucy Yi is Not a Romantic by Lauren Ho, a Malaysian-born Singapore author. You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by the Nigerian writer Akweke Amizi. And Lessons in Chemistry by the London-based copywriter Bonnie Garmus. The first book on our list, Lucy Yi is Not a Romantic, flies against all kinds of rom-com stereotypes. So what are some of the stereotypes of this busts, Olivia? Well, first of all, the heroine is Singaporean. I know there has been an increase in Asian-led romances in the past few years in the wake of what, for better or worse, we must dub the crazy rich Asians phenomenon. Mm -hmm. But even so, there are not that many Singaporean rom-com heroines out there. Even the heroine Crazy Rich Asians isn't uh, Singaporean. She's American. But yeah, so even in Singapore, there aren't that many rom-coms. It's not a huge genre here. Off the top of my head, we have uh, Annabelle Thong by Imran Hashim, Sarang Party Girls by Cheryl Lulian Tan, and uh, Last Hang Standing, which was Lauren Ho's first novel. So, like Last Hang Standing, the eponymous heroine of Lucy E is Not a Romantic is also Singaporean. She's a career woman. She's in her 30s. Specifically, she's 37. That's an important age to bear in mind. Uh, and it's also older than your average rom-con heroine. And for most of the book, she's pregnant. So the book opens with Lucy E, hotshot management consultant from Singapore, in New York on a coveted secondment. So she's single because she's explosively broken up with her fiancé for a number of reasons, including his cheating. Uh, she's in this posh Tribeca maternity store buying baby swaddles for one of her best friends who's just had triplets. And then she has this meltdown. So I'm going to read an extract from this scene. Lucy held the doll close to her chest. Its almost cobalt blue eyes were fixed on her, the blinking stilled. She closed her eyes and breathed. The swaddle, or the doll, had been scented with something milky and soothing, chamomile and talc and bergamot. This isn't too bad, she said, wondering how Weina was coping, breastfeeding three of these at a go. She was always saying that she was too old for her surprise triplets, and she had only that one pair of boobs, and the babies were sweet, but so, so needy, and they were always hungry, and she was so, so bone-tired, she sometimes confused the babies, and she had to write their names on their fists, their soft, dimpled, baby-fatted fists. Lucy started to shake. Are you all right? Erin said from far away, because Lucy was laughing and weeping. Loud sobs rattled from her chest without hope of concealment. Yes, Lucy replied when she finally could. Snuffling hard, wiping stray tears away with the back of her hand, she struggled to speak in her normal voice. I, I just had LASIK done, and my eyes are so, so dry. Erin whisked Ree out of Lucy's arms, ducked behind the counter, and started pulling tissues out of a box so fast she could have been a magician's assistant. If she didn't buy the LASIK excuse, she did not show it. Here, she said, pressing them into Lucy's hand. Take them. Lucy blew her nose in a series of honks. Thanks. I'm sorry. Don't be, Erin said, as though a grown woman sobbing in a high-end store for children was a quotidian occurrence. It happens more often than you think. Maybe it did. She reached out to give Lucy a hug, which the latter folded into with an uncharacteristic lack of resistance. And considering everything that's happened in the last two years, perfectly normal behaviour. Normal. What is normal these days, Lucy thought, as Erin rubbed her back and made shushing noises. She was 37, and she had no idea. 
So this is the point that Lucy decides she's going to have a baby. Never mind that she's single at 37 or that her firm, which is very cutthroat, will not look kindly upon her, um, you know, her rising star being waylaid by maternity or that her conservative family and Singapore society at large is unprepared for an unwed woman electing to become a mother. Time and biological clocks wait for no man, not least Mr. Right. So Lucy signs up for this co-parenting website and she swipes right on the best candidate and she gets pregnant. Now, the narrative may be one of, you know, romance. So she has two suitors. Uh, there's Mark, the affluent ex-fiancé who's pulling out all the stops to get her back. And Colin Reed, who's the dorky father of the baby, whom she meets in New York. And she decides to co-parent with him based on how they click in terms of personality, even though he makes a lot of terrible puns and he has a nut allergy. So they're trying to platonically co-parent this baby. But then she's having all these feelings for him. So as romances go, I will say that it does not match up to Last Tank Standing, uh, which I thought had great chemistry. It has this enemies-to-lovers relationship in this Singapore law firm. And the heroine there is so Andrea Tang, she's so chaotic, uh, that there's one scene in which, in order to avoid confronting her feelings, she starts to stress-eat all these expired pickles from a jar, which is a scene that I adore because I feel a lot of us have been there. I, I mean, I, I know that I have been there. They're not exactly with the pickles, but Definitely, I ate something that was expired and I shouldn't have eaten. Uh, but then again, Lucy E is not a romantic, is not only a romance. So it's also about motherhood, it's about pregnancy. Uh, and she, Lauren Ho really goes in all the gory details here. Uh, I'm not allowed to say a lot of it on this podcast, but supernumerary nipples are a thing that I learned about in this book. What are supernumerary nipples? Are they like these additional nipples that appear on your body? So, like a third nipple? Because they come in pairs. Oh, third and fourth. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So, and you know, besides the romances, Lauren Ho also takes care to flesh out all these other relationships that Lucy has. So, you know, she's got her family relationships, which are very fraught and uh, cold. And then at this, in opposition to that, she's got her bond with her best friends, Susie and Wena. And and they're, they're such a funny trio. Uh, Wena, she's got no filter. She's just manically juggling her, ba- her infant triplets and her older son. And uh, then there's Susie, who, you know, is short for Sushila Mahmood, and she's a Muslim divorcee. So uh, she loves fun and she's very bubbly, but she's also afraid that her friends are going to drift away from her because of their motherhood. So that's one of the things that underpins her motives throughout the, the book. So I would say that if you were seeking hard-hitting fiction about single motherhood in Singapore, this is not the book for you. Uh, I mean, it's money is not an issue for Lucy, so she is actually quite sheltered from a lot of the woes that the average single mother um, would have to face, like uh, housing or the cost of childcare. In fact, one of the things... Uh, in her and Colin's relationship is that she out-earns him significantly. So he, she's actually covering more of the uh, more than his share of the household expenses. Uh, and that is one of the sources of friction in their relationship. And the book does touch on darker topics like miscarriage, but it's for the most part, it's very fun. It's very frothy. It's a good beach read. And at the same time, it gently pushes the envelope, especially in Singapore, which is, you know, um, only just this year was it announced that women aged 21 to 35 will have access to elective egg freezing. And that's mm-hmm. only early next year. Uh, and even then, they can only use the frozen eggs if legally married. So in that sense, this is uh, actually a really groundbreaking novel. On to our next romance novel. You made a fool of death with your beauty by a Nigerian writer, Akweke Yemezi. So this story is about Feiyi, a young Nigerian-American artist who is recovering from the loss of her boyfriend who died in an accident a few years ago. 
um, her friend Joy, who plays the role of, you know, in the rom-com, usually of the straight-talking female best friend who, who encourages the protagonist. So Joy encourages Fei to get back into the dating scene. Um, along the way, Fei meets and sleeps with Milan. In fact, the book begins with a pretty explicit sex scene between the two of them. And um, she later winds up with Nasir, who is one of Milan's friends. Nasir is very wealthy, very handsome, and also very attracted to her. And then he brings her to his father's fancy house, which is on an island. And um, Nasir's father turns out to be a celebrity chef by the name of Alim Blake. Um, and guess what? Faye quickly finds herself falling in love with the father, with, with um, Nasir's father. What could possibly go wrong? Okay, anyway, this is her first encounter with um, Nasir's father. It was easy to recognize Alim Blake in a crowd of people gathered outside the arrival hall. Bodies and voices flowed around him in streams. A map of movement while he stood in the sun, a fixed point. The man had presence, gallons of it radiating out into the air like a force field. His skin was the color of wet coal, mineral rich against the white linen he was wearing. A shirt with rolled up sleeves, buttons open to his chest, loose trousers. It was chaos out there, but no one bumped into Alim. No one so much as touched him, except those who stopped to shake his hand and greet him. He was charming with them touching arms and shoulders, crouching to smile at a little girl in a pinafore who was babbling excitedly, her mother watching fondly. The child held out her arms, and as Alim was hugging her, Nasir walked through the doors of the arrival hall, wheeling Faye's suitcase with his duffel over his shoulder. So the title of this book, You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty, is a nod to a song by Florence and the Machine, which the author was listening to around that time. Um, Mizi, the author of the novel The Death of Yvette Oji, as well as the memoir Dear Sanduran, really knows how to craft a good sentence. So this book is not just a page turner, it also rings true on the level of the sentence. So and I, and I feel that even though some of the events in the book feel a bit outrageous. Um, uh, Faye struck me as an incredibly real, fully fleshed character. She's full of indecisions and imperfections. Um, and I felt she was she was highly flawed, but also a very sympathetic character. Um, and over the course of the book, Faye and Aline bond over their respective losses, and um, Imizi, who uses they, them pronouns, also delves into the topic of bisexuality. Um, you Made a Fool of Death of Your Beauty is Imizi's first romance novel. Um, and the author does seem to be cycling through all the literary genres. Earlier this year, the author released a poetry collection titled Content Warning Everything, as well as a young adult novel titled Bitter. So Amazi is very prolific, and it'll be really exciting to see what they come up with next. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Our final book for today is Bonnie Garmus's Lessons in Chemistry. It stars another unromantic heroine, um, though this one has motherhood thrust upon her. Elizabeth Zott is a groundbreaking chemist in 1950s and 1960s America. She was the only female scientist at the Hastings Research Institute until she was forced to leave. In the book, we see her raise a daughter as a single mom, and she also becomes the star of a TV cooking show called Supper at Six. Um, of course, she's not about to become a Stephen wife. She insists, um, rightly I think, that cooking is a science, and she respects the intelligence of her viewers. Many of these women who watch her show are underappreciated American housewives, and she doesn't talk down to them. She doesn't patronize. Um, she also insists on using the chemical names of ingredients in their recipes. So salt is sodium chloride, vinegar is acetic acid. Um, the title of the book, Lessons in Chemistry, refers on one level to Elizabeth's job as a chemist, but it's also a reference to the romantic and intellectual chemistry she shares with her partner, Kelvin, who is another scientist at the Institute, and he also doesn't quite fit into the mold. Um, I think this is one of the most engaging books I've read this year. It reads like a movie, and in fact, it is being adapted for TV. Um, 
Yeah, and generally there are many books whose characters I really feel for, but I, I, felt I, I felt I really felt for Elizabeth when I was reading this. I got so angry at the sexism and the harassment um, that Elizabeth was facing throughout the book. And I found her really sympathetic, really likable, as, as well as a character deserving of respect. I loved Elizabeth. <laughs> I, mean, I Even though the book is full of what I see as very believably frustrating sexism, and there is one quite harrowing rape scene, mm. um, but she is such an indomitable character, and she so staunchly believes that everyone needs to be the best version of themselves, that she, through her will, she enables this change to happen. And she teaches her dog hundreds of words. She treats her daughter like an intellectual equal. And so she never constricts or restricts her according to her you know, prescribed educational standards. Um, she tells this random woman in the audience that she should be a heart surgeon. And then the woman does go on to pursue her <laughs> medical degree. So you're really cheering for her throughout. And then when you get to the end and things pan out the way that they do, it's incredibly satisfying. So spoiler alert, it is a happy ending. Um, and even though women's rights have come a long way since the 1960s, there are still so many things in here that are relatable, like the domestic and emotional labor that women are still expected to carry in a household mm. or you know, professional lack of respect or sexual harassment. So while I was reading this, I was reminded of this other book that came out this year, which is completely different in tone and literary quality. Um, it's The Love Hypothesis by Ali Hazelwood, which is a flat-out rom-com based on a piece of fan fiction. Uh, it's got all the tropes laid on thick. But it is also about a female scientist who is dating, I mean fake dating, later real dating, the university star researcher. And she also struggles with being taken seriously in academia mm. and with sexual harassment. And uh, so that book is a very bimbo read by a brainiac. So the author is an actual neuroscience professor. She just writes fan fiction in her free time. Um, but I was just struck by how many resonances that there were across all the genres and time periods. And so, yes, you can be a woman and excel in science and love. We contain multitudes. Of course. And they aren't mutually really exclusive, right? I mean, for the longest time, romance novels or so-called works of women's fiction were often dismissed as frivolous or artistically lesser than works that fall under the banner of supposedly the tree fiction. But of course you can enjoy a good rom-com, and of course you can write a good rom-com and still be a serious and intelligent human being. And that's all we have for you this episode. Once again, thank you for listening to us. I'm To Wen Lee. And I'm Olivia Ho. You have been listening to our Bookmark This podcast. We'll catch you next time. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.